everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, May 11th, 2014. Kelly and Jack are standing in the middle of Chancellor Park. They've begun to kiss. They've begun to embrace. Kelly is looking at Jack like she wants to jump his bones. I mean, she's the look on her face, she's practically panting. I mean, her skin was flushed, and she's just looking at him so longingly. I think that... Oddly, Jack almost seemed just happy for the attention. I don't know. Did anybody else kind of get the sense that Kelly was very physically drawn while it almost seemed like more of an emotional experience for Jack? I don't know. I could, that could just be me and my reading of the situation, but it was almost reversed. You know, usually it seems like it's the guy who's ready to get physical, but Kelly really wants to give herself to Jack. And so they decide to go back to the athletic club and get a room. And while Kelly's upstairs preparing the love suite, Jack runs into Summer in the hall. And he decides that now is the time to tell Summer that he is actually dating Kelly, that it's more than just a friendship. And Summer had a very visceral reaction to this. It was very negative. She doesn't want to think about Jack being with anybody else other than her mother. And the thought that Jack could be dating and involved with this, not only just another woman, but this woman who came in between Billy, his brother, and Victoria's relationship, that idea is such a betrayal to Summer. And she's having this huge reaction while Jack is downstairs dealing with that. Uh, Kelly is upstairs getting kind of a pep talk from Lily. Lily pops by the room and she's trying to pump Kelly up and, you know, you're going to have a guy over. I mean, first, Lily thinks she's going to be there for a girl's night and Kelly has to sort of nicely tell her, I'm having this guy over. I'm going to, this is going to be our first time. And Kelly's feeling very, I think, insecure about it. And Lily tries to pump her up. She even goes next door and fixes her up with a sexy set of lingerie. It, it was almost pathetic how, how totally unprepared Kelly was for this. And I mean, but it was also endearing. She is wounded still in that way. And Lily's kind of taken a shining to her and gives her this great, um, you know, like this black sexy lingerie and is trying to point her in the right direction of just making this a super special sexy evening. But while Lily is pumping Kelly up, Jack is getting deflated. He's getting talked out of what he's about to do by this run-in with Summer. And so finally, the big moment comes. Jack goes up to the room and uh, it really, it killed me because Kelly's just standing there having these feelings for someone that she hasn't really had since her husband. I mean, I think the fling with Billy was always never going to work out, but with Jack, he seemed available. This seemed like a pair that actually might work, and now she's standing there feeling totally vulnerable. She starts to strip 
off the nighty in kind of a ceremonious fashion, like she's almost practiced a couple of moves <laughs> for unveiling her body to give to him, and Jack calls it off. He says, no, it was so sad. He tells Kelly, you know, I'm, uh, the thing is, you know, I ran into Summer and I, I don't think I can go through with this, but it's not just because of Summer. It's because I still love Phyllis. He's still in love with Phyllis, whether she's with us or not with us. And I got a really good voicemail from Connor this week and he mentioned, you know, I, Jack really does love Phyllis, and Phyllis loved Jack. Last week, I talked a little bit about my feelings that maybe it wasn't entirely mutual, or maybe it was that Jack loved Phyllis more than Phyllis loved Jack. And Connor brought up, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Jack was Phyllis's really kind of first true love. I mean, she had this obsession over Danny before him, but she was, it was mutual with Jack for the first time. And then when she met Nick, things maybe got complicated. He was a younger guy. He was involved with this other woman. So I think Phyllis probably did always have this sense of needing to keep up with Nick, always needing to keep Nick interested. With Jack, it did seem a lot more effortless. Um, Jack was always there for her, always, always loved her, and, and she was always there for him. And so it, it was maybe just a different type of relationship. So maybe I misstated that. You guys can let me know how you feel about that. But, um, you know, as, as Connor mentioned, it's hard now to love a ghost, even though Phyllis is not dead, she's not with us, and it's become such a burden for Jack to carry, and now he's finding himself becoming involved with another woman, but he has to ask himself a very difficult question. If Phyllis were to wake up tomorrow, where would that leave his relationship with Kelly? And the truth is, if Phyllis woke up tomorrow, Jack would run to her, and he would march her straight down the aisle. It's the truth. Now, another good voice message that I got this week from Anna, she really, really made me laugh because she said, wow, you know, imagine how confused Phyllis must have been when she woke up on General Hospital. <laughs> Was it last week or the week before Michelle Stafford made her big entrance on General Hospital? So she's officially on another soap now. I haven't seen any of the scenes. Um, I don't know why I haven't. I need to go watch that. From what I understood, I think she's even maybe playing a character that was waking up out of a coma. So it's a weird crossover. Um, here's the thing, you guys. <laughs> I remember when Michelle Stafford announced that she was leaving YNR and it was kind of intimated that it was her decision. She decided that she wanted to go off and spend time working outside of daytime. She wanted to work on her web series. Specifically, I remember her saying she wanted to spend some time with her daughter, maybe her sister. Like it was she needed this time off, which is why she decided to leave YNR. She wanted to spend with her family and pursue outside interests. I even remember her using the quote, I remember reading the quote, I'm done. Done. I'm done. <laughs> As Phyllis would say it like three or four times in a row. I'm done. Done. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and now, here we are, not even 
six months later and she's not done. She totally just went to another soap. So what was that all about? Now it makes me wonder what the real deal behind the scenes was. Was it just Michelle Stafford wasn't getting what she wanted from YNR, so she went to another soap or got got lured away? I don't know, but it just makes me curious if... She's ever going to come back. I don't know. I can almost see her in, in Port Charles. It sort of makes sense. Um, I do I do miss her on, on YNR. She was a dominant force. Um, but I don't know. I wonder if, is YNR just going to leave Phyllis in the coma indefinitely? Or now that the actress is on General Hospital, are they going to attempt to recast? Or what? I don't know. I'm very curious. But all of that is neither here nor there for right now. Jack and Kelly are having this awkward moment in the room, and it's come to a point where they realize they can't go on. The relationship can't happen. Jack leaves the room, leaves Kelly standing there in her lingerie. I mean, here she thought this was the beginning of something new and amazing. Maybe her finally catching a break after everything that happened with her child, losing her child and losing her family and everything in her life has been turmoil for so long. This is probably the first light at the end of a very long, dark tunnel that she's had. And now it's actually an ending. It's an ending before a beginning almost. And she just does this classic closing the door uh, to Jack leaving. She leans up against the door and does this classic sinking down the wall, crying, uh, 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 holding her stomach. Uh, uh. You know, the classic sink down the wall, which I really enjoyed and really made me connect with her. I mean, I connected with Kelly, I think, a lot more this week than I did Jack even. I just It felt like her story to me. I don't know why they were both involved, but it just it just felt like it was all about her for me. Now, the next day, Summer runs into Jack. She's had a conversation with Noah. She realizes maybe she overreacted. She can't expect Jack to live in a bubble just because, um, you know, he loves Phyllis. And so she goes to Jack the next day and tells him, I don't like it. I'm not for this relationship, but it's your decision. It's your life, which would have been a really good thing for you have come to the conclusion of yesterday. That might have been helpful, Summer, but she at least realized, you know, I can't just be a brat and I can't dictate his life. So go for it. Go do what you got to do. But now it's the morning after. Kelly has probably had a very long night. It's now broad daylight in the athletic club. They're running into each other, avoiding each other, and now it's just uncomfortable for both of them. And Jack decides he's going to sit down at her table and ask her for a second chance. And she is absolutely hesitant at first, and I don't blame her one bit for maybe not wanting to move on with Jack. I think as much as she's developed feelings for him, it is it is complicated, and it's not cool to be with someone who's not really uh, 100% yours, and he's not. I mean, the fact is, even if Jack decides to move on, he is still holding out this little piece in his mind for Phyllis. I mean, she's this larger than life. She's probably twice, three times the woman that Kelly is, is you know, in, in big personality and fierceness. I mean, I can't even see this Kelly being anywhere near the magnitude of what Phyllis was. So I, it's, it's hard because I do want Jack to move on, but at the same time, if I was 
Kelly, I think I would be really hesitant as well. I mean, she did also, let's not forget, get burned by his brother. She kind of got burned in the whole Billy situation. She got blamed for a lot of the affair that happened with Billy when it was two. It was both of them. So I'm, I can almost see Kelly maybe feeling like or coming to the conclusion that maybe these Abbott men are not worth the heartache. Maybe Billy belongs with his wife, Victoria, and maybe Jack belongs with his true love, comatose Phyllis. Dylan is letting Ian get up under his skin. He has totally lost control of himself. He breaks into Ian's hotel room, even though he knows he shouldn't do that. He knows that's the wrong thing to do. Dylan is now becoming more motivated by his anger than his sense, you know, and, and it's it's going to get him into trouble. Um, Ian comes back to his hotel room. Dylan is in there. They have this intense confrontation. Ian is pretending like he knows all about Dylan and his life the way Ian does. And Dylan did mention, by the way, that apparently whenever uh, Ian had his trial, not for the extortion that he did with Nikki, but I think they were referring to his original trial, like how he got off from all of the crimes he committed with his last cult, the New World, whatever. Um, I, I, what Dylan was saying was that he got off on a mistrial because someone infiltrated the jury, and so I wonder if that's going to come into play somehow. I just noticed that you know YNR doesn't usually throw out extra information without having a reason to do so, so I'm almost kind of wondering if that's going to play in somehow, but either way, Dylan starts to threaten Ian, of course, so Ian grabs the phone, he calls Paul, tries to pretend like he's in some kind of imminent danger. I don't think Ian thinks for a minute that he's in imminent danger, but he calls Paul, and Paul has already been on to this whole thing. He's already had his eye on Dylan. He knows Dylan is volatile, so Paul ends up busting up in Ian's hotel room with gun drawn. I mean, he's like, police, open up. He, like, kicks open the door, and he's got his gun drawn on just Ian and Dylan. Like, was the gun really necessary, Paul? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, he's your son at the end of the day. Let's be real. (laughs) So... Paul has no choice but to arrest Dylan, his son. Um, All the while, Ian is playing it up, saying, I'm sorry, son. I mean, I didn't want it to be like this. I mean, Ian has this great way of forcing other people into the line of fire. I really like that about him. I think that's what makes him a good villain. He's so manipulative. Uh, he's, He's a master at manipulation, and I am really enjoying it. I mean, the whole time Paul is arrested, Dylan, Ian is basically licking his chops behind the scenes, so glad that he is wreaking this havoc. I think he genuinely, in a twisted way, enjoys screwing with people's lives. Dylan gets hauled away down to the police station, and Ian follows him, and it's looking like Dylan's gonna get booked. I mean, good thing he's got a lawyer girlfriend, but it looks like he's going to jail until the very last minute 
when Ian decides to play the good guy and drop the charges, which makes him look like he was being altruistic in this whole thing, makes him look like he's the humble but forgiving victim in all of this. It's all just leading up. It's all leading up to his death, but I'm I'm really enjoying the ride. I do love this storyline. Um, the other thing that I can't wait to get your guys' opinion on because this is weird. Um, Leslie goes to confront Avery. I think it was before all of this went down or while it was going down. But Leslie goes to Avery. She's in the middle of her cooking show, um, just on a sidebar because I'm not going to talk about it anywhere else. I totally think the cameraman uh, that Avery's working with, as I said last week, I think he's the stalker. He's the one that sent her flowers. Um, He's totally, Ian is the red herring for that whole stalker situation. There's no doubt in my mind. But Leslie goes to visit Avery and she, you know, is trying to say, you need to keep Dylan away from my client, Ian. Um, It's just going to get him into trouble. And Avery says, you know, Leslie, why are you defending him? I mean, it's one thing if you're taking on the case, but it almost seems like you've got some kind of personal um, vest in this, like you're vested in this somehow. It's more than work. So what is it? And, And Avery even goes so far as to say something like, how did Ian get a hold of you? And I really think that's what it is, there's a lot more going down to this story. We know now that Mariah is connected to Ian, and Tyler and Leslie are connected to Mariah. So, I mean, there's some circle way around. There's like three, two degrees of separation there. Leslie's connected to Ian some way or another. My question is, is there any chance that Ian could be... Leslie's new mystery husband? Finn is back. He is Genoa City's newest kid reporter. They needed to get him like a a, a hat with a little, uh, with a press card that's stuck in the brim of the hat. (laughs) He's apparently taking a college prep course in journalism, and so he's going around wanting to break a case. He's the nosy kid who's probably going to blow open the the whole villain's plan, and they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you snooping kid. Um, so Fen is wanting to, he says initially in a conversation with Summer that he wants to interview Ian Ward. So I don't know if maybe Fen is actually going to somehow infiltrate the whole Ian Ward operation. He kind of switched gears and went down to the hospital and decided he wanted to interview Stitch uh, to expose, do an expose on hospital staff hours, like how many hours they're working and how much in a row and is it unfair labor or blah, blah, blah. I don't know exactly. I just wanted to briefly mention it because I'm thinking that Fenn is going to be blowing open a few storylines, maybe at the same time. I don't know. Maybe he can infiltrate Ian's operation and find out Stitch's freaking secret all in one foul swoop. Well, Billy finally went and did an internet search on Benjamin Rayburn, MD, and couldn't find any 
search results. So what we were talking about before, about right when Stitch came into town and Kelly said something like, oh, are people calling you Dr. Rayburn now? There's something with his identity. Um, I don't know if it had something to do with Afghanistan and what went on there because he had, you know, he was talking with um, Victoria just a little bit uh, this week uh, saying about the whole situation that went down with Dylan's troop, everybody being killed. And he, Stitch felt really guilty about that. So I don't know if he's, like, somehow got involved in something or other and had to, like, maybe do an FBI witness program or something. But I, And then maybe everybody thinks he did something really bad, but he's actually in witness protection. I don't know. I need to stop guessing because I'll never know. But it's one thing we definitely know is just that He's under an assumed identity for one reason or another. Billy has figured this out, and he is at Victoria's house doing this internet search. And when she comes home, he says to her, you know, what do you really know about Stitch? Here, I'm not able to find any search results about him. So, you you know, you're getting all involved with him. You need to ask yourself what you really know about him. And Victoria just proudly declares, and just defiantly, I suppose, I know everything I need to know about him. He brings me soup. <laughs> you gotta go back and watch that scene because it was funny the way she declared, he brings me soup and that's all I need to know. <laughs> really? <laughs> you might maybe want to take Billy's advice and do a little more research because soup wouldn't cut it for me. I mean, if he's a dangerous criminal or whatever, even if he's totally harmless and, li and living under an assumed name, I would want to know the truth about who he is. And Victoria has skipped that step. She's, I think, wanted to distance herself from the Billy situation so much that she got involved with Stitch kind of quickly. And he seems like a good guy. I mean, he's a doctor. How could he be a bad guy? You know, but I, I don't know. She really took the steps she needed to take. Um, it's going to be a mess. Chelsea and Victoria are at the hospital at the same time. She's making up lies left and right. Uh, oh, I'm just here for, uh, you know, because Stitch worked at the hospital. I'm just here for a board meeting, you know, one of my charity things. <laughs> I'm definitely not here uh, to get a, a, an exam because I'm pregnant with maybe your child. Definitely not. But uh, Chelsea's there at the same time. Um, Victoria and Chelsea get their prescriptions mixed up. Victoria gets Connor's medicine. And Chelsea accidentally gets Victoria's prenatal vitamins. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Chelsea knows right away you're pregnant, Victoria. And you can tell that Victoria is not that excited for as much as she and Billy tried to have a child. If it was a good thing, she would have been a little more happy about it. So Chelsea realizes, oh, oh, you don't know who the father is, do you? I mean, it's essentially Chelsea recognizes that look on Victoria's face because the same thing happened to her or that she was trying to lie about her pregnancy. So um, right after, it was right after Chelsea had ended up telling Stitch that he was going to get hurt. I mean, Chelsea had this conversation with Stitch saying, you know, Billy and Victoria have a bond and you're probably going to end up getting hurt. You need to watch yourself. And now here she is finding out 
the truth about Victoria's pregnancy. Chelsea tries to talk Victoria out of lying about this whole thing. She just says, I know from experience it doesn't work out well. And um, oh, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of annoyed with Chelsea because I thought, well, Victoria kept your secret when you were trying to do the same thing. And now all of a sudden, it just seemed like Chelsea was getting up on Victoria and getting up in her business. It seems like, Chelsea, maybe you owe Victoria a little bit of silence. I think Victoria wants to tell somebody the truth. She's made an appointment to get the paternity figured out. And she clearly wants Billy to be the father. Victoria has this... Um, fantasy scene where she tells Billy that she's pregnant. It's kind of funny because her back is to Billy the whole time and he's trying to figure out what's wrong with her. And finally, she turns around to reveal this extremely pregnant tummy (laughs) to tell Billy she's pregnant and he's the father. (laughs) As if he would have gone a span of nine months without seeing her at all. Now all of a sudden she's pregnant. It It was just a fantasy. But he's happy at first and then he realizes that he he, you know, is not the father, and he's very angry with her. So it's 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 clear that Victoria wants it to be Billy's, and she's afraid that it's not. Um, I think that if Billy was the father, it's everything Victoria's always wanted. I think she is just waiting or has been waiting for something to push her off the fence back over toward Billy. She wants to forgive him. She wants to be with him. And if this was his child, that would be the excuse. That would be all she needed to go back to him. The problem is, it could be stitches. And now Chelsea knows. Chelsea runs to Billy with her big mouth. I was mad at Chelsea this week about all this. I just don't understand where Chelsea gets off being the moral authority about this. for First of all, chastising Victoria about pretty much kind of the same thing that she did, and then running to Billy with the intention of telling him? That's wrong. It's none of your business, Chelsea. Stay out of it. I mean, Billy pretty much tells her to go to hell. Um, <laughs> you know, my he says, my marriage being on the rocks is all your husband's fault. You know, I would have, none of this would have happened if Adam wouldn't have killed Delia, then I wouldn't have had the affair with Kelly, and I would still be with Victoria today. Sorry, Billy. Um, Adam didn't force you to sleep with Kelly, okay? You did that all on your own accord, so... That was ridiculous, but he's being so just insolent toward Chelsea that she decides not to tell him, which is better. But then, double annoying, Chelsea goes to Victoria just to let her know that she decided not to tell Billy out of a sense of repayment to her, which is not true at all. Chelsea, I'm sorry, you had 100% intention of telling Billy, but Billy acted like a jerk, and so you said, fine, I'll take my secret elsewhere. And then you went back to Victoria, and you acted like you did it as a favor to her. I I was annoyed. I was annoyed with Chelsea. Sometimes I like her. You know, I've been coming around on her, but this was not the the move to make, (laughs) to make me like her even more. So I was annoyed. Billy comes back and, you know, apologizes to Chelsea the next day. And, you know, there is sort of that, oh, Billy and Chelsea, you know, is that relationship going to happen? Who knows? Who knows? Stitch is totally figuring 
this whole thing out. He's figuring out what's up. He's already caught Victoria in a lie about what she was doing at the hospital. He sees her going into an examination room with her doctor and just asks the doctor, oh, so what's your what's your area of expertise? And she says, oh, obstetrics and gynecology. So Stitch knows. I mean, he definitely knows. Ugh. It's become a it's become a little bit much, to be honest with you. I got a voicemail from Gary this week, and he had said, you know, it, it feels like when you have a triangle like this, and then they throw a pregnancy right into the mix, it sort of throws a big cold bucket of water on the whole thing. It, it really is. It, like, it becomes about duty and less about, like, the romance, because at this point, I'm not really into Victoria and Stitch at all, and now there's this pregnancy there, and it's just kind of weighing, and it's being heavy on the Victoria and uh, Billy relationship, so I kind of, I mean, I kind of wish she wasn't pregnant. I sort of wish this hadn't happened. I, I mean, Victoria has tried so hard for so long to have a baby. I wish it could have been more like joyous finally we succeeded let's get back together billy but instead i mean it's gonna be a while she's gonna get the paternity results uh, as soon as possible but i don't know how long that's gonna be and i i i don't know what what the results are gonna be i put a poll up on my website last week at yrchat.com and i i asked the question who do you want to be the father of Victoria's baby, Stitch or Billy? And it did seem like overwhelmingly everyone, most people, I mean, wanted Billy to be the father. But there was still a strong amount of people who were saying, Stitch, you know, let's move on. Let's let it be Stitch. So I'm definitely curious to know. You guys will have to leave me comments and, and let me know who you wish was the baby's father. Um, gosh, I mean, I just, I'm suspicious of Stitch. And I, I think I'd prefer... Billy to be the father. Oh, Billy may be a father one way or then another. I mean, really, Chloe has that crazy look in her eye. It's a permanent fixture now. Crazy eye Chloe. That's what we should just start calling her. She's having this business lunch with Chelsea and Chelsea where she's announced that she's having a baby and Chelsea starts to question her about this whole fantasy. How is this even possible, Chloe? You're going to have a baby on your own, but you're married to Kevin? Ah. Chloe doesn't know what she's doing. She is 100% certifiable right now. She probably should have gone to the mental institution instead of getting released into Kevin's custody because she's not getting better. She's getting worse. And now Billy is totally distraught over Victoria. Chloe has her eye on him. She wants to recreate her perfect child. Billy goes to the bar where Chloe is. He's throwing back drinks like there's no tomorrow. And she's just sitting back, just grinning ear to ear, watching him, knowing what she's about to do. He's getting drunk all on his own. I don't even have to participate in that part. Oh, no. She just sits there patiently while Billy gets drunk. Then she takes him up to a room at the athletic club, gets him all comfy on the bed, takes off his shoes. You know, he's just she's getting him relaxed all the while. 
He's moaning Victoria's name. And she gets up, like closes the door with this creepy smile on her face and then sits down next to Billy and she's rubbing on him and she's saying, that's right, Billy. It's me, Victoria. I'm right here for you. It's me. You know, don't, don't you, she's trying to get him in the mood and she's like, don't you want to make love to your sweet Victoria? (laughs) It is scandalous. That's the only word for it, and I love it. By the way, I love it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm making like, like it's insane, and it is insane. But I, I mean, I don't love the act, but I love the story. This is so interesting to me. This is probably like the most interesting thing to me. Again, for the millionth time, I'll say it. I hate that I'm loving Chloe right now, and I mean, just again, I love the story of Chloe right now. Uh, right as she's getting ready to leave the show, that's such a bummer for me. I mean. Ah! Chloe's sitting there in her lingerie, insisting that she's Victoria. That is really good daytime drama. That's like the classic soap scandal I'm looking for. This is such a success for me. Chloe was not a success, by the way, in getting Billy aroused enough to do the deed to make the perfect child. But never say never. I mean, you know that in a week or two weeks or whenever it's going to end up happening, Chloe is going to be hauled out of Genoa City in a straitjacket. But I will bet you dollars to donuts right now that she gets pregnant first, whether we see her succeed on screen or not, but I bet you she will get pregnant and she will be back in a year with a new little bundle of joy to announce and it'll probably end up being just as Billy and Victoria are getting back on track. Jill realizes that Colin didn't just marry her for love. He's in debt. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't love her. And that she doesn't have the right to make him squirm a little bit. (laughs) I love this storyline so much. Jill gets Colin drunk and sends him on this wild goose chase for Catherine's fortune, which is what this whole music box thing has music box thing has been in the first place. Jill makes up a story about finding out that Rachel, the mystery Rachel, is actually Catherine's childhood dog. And hey, maybe she left some diamonds in the dog's ash remains. Mm-hmm, right. So Jill grabs a scoop of ashes from the fireplace, sneaks them into a box when he isn't looking, tells him that she found the treasure in the attic, and then they both are up in the attic. She, he is looking in the box, and she blows a big comedic sneeze, and the ashes go all over his face. I loved it. I'm not even doing it justice in my recap. It's so funny. Um, While he's reeling over that and drunk and nuts, she sneaks away, locks him in the attic, all night. <laughs> All night. I mean, he's in there stuck. Finally, the, he's banging on the door. Finally, the next morning, she comes to the attic door and he, he's like, why am I in here? What's going on? I'm, obviously, I'm sensing that you're not happy with me right now. And she tells him everything. You know, she outconned him. Um, she knows it all. Uh, everything about his debt, that he didn't just marry her for, uh, for or that he married her for 
the money. Um, so there's this moment though where Colin is trying to talk his way out of it. He's saying, you know, just let me out. I do love you. Um, we can be together. We can be happy. I've meant everything that I've said to you about that. So she opens up the door and you think she's going to let him out and maybe they'll get back together. Uh, and instead, she puts a rag over his face and chloroforms him exactly as he did to her. He wakes up uh, handcuffed to a bar in the attic. And Jill's just sitting there realizing that she's recreated the exact same thing that he did to her. She plops down a contract and a pen right down in front of him and tells him to sign. You're here until you sign. I'm going to keep you locked in this attic until you sign these papers, which are divorce papers and that you know say he's not allowed to have not one penny from her money from her estate. And I'm sure he just says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm definitely not going to do it. I love you. There's no way I'm going to sign those papers. Um, I think, honestly, that Colin believes he can just talk his way out of this whole thing. And he, he probably will, to be honest with you. I think that Jill knows... I think she knows that he loves her, and I maybe I'm crazy, but I sort of hope that she takes him back because I love him and I love them. Nikki has left Victor. She's staying at the athletic club. He runs into her and tries to convince her to come home, of course, and... Nikki goes on and on about how she can never forgive him. She can't even look at him the same way as before. And I just have a hard time even tuning in to that whole scene because, gee, it's almost like I've heard it before, like a million other times. I can't take Nikki seriously when she says she's going to leave Victor because she never really does. It's clear that she's always going to come back, and I think he knows that, and therefore he's not going to beg, uh, but he's going to try a little to get what he wants. He's going to try to negotiate, but there's just there's something about the scene in her hotel room where he's telling her to come back. He's trying to kiss on her, trying to give her a hug. And she's saying, I just, I need some time. I just don't know. I need to think about this. She just, as Victor was like embracing her and she's embracing him, knowing that she really just wants to go back to him. There's this shot of her face. And I swear she just had this abused, scared dog look on her face. It like... She doesn't want to go back to her master, but she's afraid not to. She's afraid of what life would be like without him. And it's just, it's not romantic. It's pathetic is what it's become. I'm not feeling the Nikki and Victor thing right now, even though they're like the penultimate soap couple. I'm just not feeling anything that's going on around those two. Nikki has another convenient attack of her MS, which always seems to happen right at the moment when she's trying to pour a pitcher of water or tea or something. Like, apparently, if you didn't know anything better, that's the main problem with having MS. It will really get in the way of you trying to pour a drink. <laughs> it's the, My point is that it's just become so trite, I guess, that it's, I can't take it seriously. Um, 
Nikki, everybody's concerned about her health. It's such a plot tool, too. It's not like Weiner doesn't bring it up unless it's convenient for something else. Like, everybody has to be concerned about Nikki, and ultimately, probably, Victor will rescue her from something, and she'll go back to him and forgive him. And it's just been done before. Um, Ian is staying in the same hotel as she is, because there's only one hotel in town. So that doesn't help her MS situation. She's under a lot of stress. Vic, she goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells her to keep her blood sugar up, and Victor calls her doctor, gets up in her private business uh, and finds out what's wrong with her. He can, ends up confronting Ian. In fact, it was Ian who told uh, Victor that Nikki had been on the phone with her doctor because Ian just constantly stalks her, can't stay away from her. And Victor ends up, I mean, the best part of all of this was that Victor ends up having a sit down with Ian. Ian's like at the breakfast table at, at the athletic club and Victor just invites himself to sit down. It was delicious. It was the best part of the whole thing. I love watching these two guys go at it. Again, I don't even think I can do it justice by describing it. It's just like Victor's brute force versus Ian's subtle word dance manipulation. You know, they're very different kind of guys. And I just, I love it. I mean, Ian's trying to just be all manipulative in the way he says things. He sort of snakes around. And Victor is just like, uh, you know, get your carcass out of here. I mean, Victor's pretty much blatantly in front of everyone threatening Ian's life. Uh, Victor just added himself to the suspect list of the who killed Ian Ward scandal that's obviously brewing here. Sharon is desperate to learn her own secret, and after a talk with Mariah, she decides that it would be a good idea for her to get hypnotized. And what do you know? The same doctor who recommended her electroshock therapy also happens to specialize in hypnosis. Oh, how convenient. You found a one-stop quack doctor, Sharon, who is like a, a fraction of the doctor that Adam had gotten for you, Miss Sassy. Do you think Miss Sassy would be up there recommending hypnosis for Sharon? I don't think so. It's so, I thought the electroshock therapy was stupid. I thought I think that the hypnosis is stupid. I don't care if I ever see another hypnosis on The Young and the Restless or any other TV show ever again. It's dumb. It's dated. <laughs> and I immediately started thinking back to the last stupid ass hypnosis scene that we saw on YNR. Gary had called in and left a message on my voicemail to remind me about this, but I already was thinking about it. Like, as soon as I heard and saw hypnosis, I thought, oh, do you guys remember the the time that Eden got hypnotized in front of a room full of people. I mean, it had to just been, it couldn't have been maybe two years ago. Uh, Paul was under, well, basically, uh, Ricky had uh, gone into his crazy whole thing. He was going to 
kill Eden, Paul came into the room and shot, or no, you know, he didn't, yeah, he shot Ricky to save Eden, but Eden was like passed out. I think she knocked her head on the bathtub or something, so she didn't really recall what had happened. And Paul was on trial trying to get off on self defense, and so Eden decided to undergo hypnosis to see if she could remember anything about why she was in Ricky's hotel room and all that. So they hypnotized her in front of a room full of people. There was like half a dozen people sitting there Daniel, I don't even remember who all was in there. I don't even, Paul was in there. I don't even, I don't remember who the doctor was at all, but it's just, it was so stupid then. It's stupid now. <sighs> the, the best thing about it was that as, she, you know, Sharon decides she's going to get hypnotized with Nick sitting right there, of course, which is highly, probably unlikely. Um, <laughs> God, it's dumb. Okay, so Sharon's going into her hypnosis, and the best part, honestly, was that she, the doctor told her to flash back to a happy time, and she flashes back to high school just as she and Nick are starting to get to know each other. What a dream. It was beautiful. Um, it was back when they they had first met. I mean, I think maybe they were engaged. I don't even, I don't think they couldn't have been married by that point because she was still in high school. So um, they're thinking about the life that they're going to have together. And, the, and Sharon is just so taken with the fact that Nick has servants. Miguel, they mentioned good old Miguel, throwing that out there. But the, there are servants on the ranch, and it's like a park out there with a big mansion in the middle, and she's mesmerized by all of this and thinking, oh, we could live out there someday, Nick. And she's so happy at the idea of how her life will turn into a princess fairy tale dream. Unfortunately, that's not what turned out how it ended up happened. This is where she is today, which made me sad because then this torture starts. The, the hypnotist tries to ask her uh, about what the secret is. What could it possibly be? Sharon starts screaming and crying and writhing in her seat. And Nick has to stop the therapist and say, I just I think you need to stop this now. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the therapist has to like take a moment aside to deal with Nick while like Sharon's on the verge of her breakthrough and she starts saying it. I remember, I remember the secret. I, I remember the secret and it is in scene. Maybe I'm talking about things in a weird order today, but um, I wanted to mention that Nikki thinks that Victor did everything he did to Sharon because he was still trying to make right for what went wrong with Adam. And there was this scene where Victor goes to see Chelsea and he's playing with Connor and he's got him a soccer ball and it was just like the flashback that we got of Victor teaching uh, Victor Jr. aka Adam how to play soccer on the farm. Um, it was it was such a parallel and it just really made me sad and um, I do I'm, I'm I tell you I'm waiting for Michael Mooney to pop up on General Hospital too. Um, I, I looked him up. He does look seem like he's kind of coming back online. Michael Mooney he's been tweeting a little bit here and there. 
there. Nothing about the scandal, just all very positive, happy face kind of stuff. Um, we're never going to see him again. It makes me so sad. Victor suggests a burial of Adam's remains, and um, he's very tender with Chelsea. I mean, they they want to both maybe bury him in Genoa City so that they can be close to him, and they're working out the details of the service, and Victor goes to leave, and he runs into Billy on his way out. Um, Billy was there to uh, apologize to Chelsea, but as soon as Victor leaves, Billy warns Chelsea to steer clear of Victor. You know, you don't want to go anywhere near him. He's bad news. And Chelsea actually defended Victor, and that kind of made me like her. That made, it redeemed her a little bit for me for the week. She said to Billy, you know, I don't understand why you abbots are constantly against him. You know, I mean, he has his, his faults, but he's not an all bad guy. And I guess the thing I mainly wanted to mention is that I'm starting to notice that the Victor-Chelsea supportive relationship that's developing is has started to mirror the relationship that Victor used to have with Sharon um, before they were married. So, um, <laughs> just wait five years down the road until Victor and Chelsea are married. Neil and Hillary can't keep their hands off of each other. And I'm like, make it stop. Please, please make it stop. Why not just let Hillary be with Devon? Why did we have to involve Neil in this whole thing? I mean, they're so into each other, and it's getting kind of risky. I mean, Neil is touching her leg under the table at a business meeting with Jack and Lily at the table, too? They act like they don't want to get caught, but they clearly are going to get caught. I mean, Hillary makes up some excuse that she's got to leave the meeting for a dentist appointment, goes upstairs to her hotel room, and then Neil's like, oh, yeah, I have a dentist appointment, too, or whatever he said. And then he gets up, follows her to her room, and they both just slip upstairs for another sex session. <laughs> I can't even watch it. Uh, Hillary accidentally left a folder of hers downstairs in the dining room and Lily wanted to run up to her room to return it. And we as the audience know, like, oh my gosh, Neil's up there totally doing Hillary. <laughs> I wanted I wanted Lily to go up there. Jack stops her from delivering the folder. He's like, I'll just give that to Hillary later. But am I the only one? I wanted to see Lily go upstairs and walk in on this whole thing. It's Lily's reaction that I'm waiting for. It's Lily's face when she finds out that her dad's dirty little secret is that he's sleeping with Hillary. I think that is the payoff that I'm waiting for, for all of the torture of having to watch these two having sex together. Okay, my podcast friends, I think that's it for me for this week. I will definitely be back next week. And in the meantime, if you guys want to leave me your comments and let me know how you're feeling about all of this craziness, you can go to my website at yrchat.com. There you can leave text comments, voice comments. You can also call my voicemail at area code 309 588 
four, five, six, nine. That's within the U.S., so it's country code one, by the way. So it would be one three zero nine five eight eight four five six nine if you're abroad. Um, so anyway, there's a couple different ways to contact me, however works best for you. I love hearing from you guys, and I'm looking forward to next week's show. So I'll see you then. Bye.